yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another great show lined up for you today. No hurling last weekend, so we're going football heavy with our panel this afternoon. We'll have Sligo manager Nod Carew on the line in just a moment. And a little later I'll talk to Joe Brawley about all the weekend's football action. But first I'm joined in studio by Dublin legend Alan Brogan, Frank Roach of the Herald and Rory O'Connor of Rory's Stories. Alan, I'd say the Brogan family WhatsApp group was pretty buzzing yesterday after Bernard came off the bench to have such a good performance. Yeah, it certainly was. I suppose a uh, uh, kick of five points in play obviously just shows a little bit, little bit of luck for Bernard. Obviously, with Dean getting the Dean getting the black card early in the first half, and and he comes on. He looked, in fairness to him, he looked really, really sharp. I think he kicked five from from six opportunities, um, and I thought his play out around the field was pretty good as well. Um, probably set up a couple of scores too so I think he can be happy enough this morning I suppose it gives gives Jim Gavin something to think about but I think sometimes when you do well off the bench he obviously made an impact in the game yesterday and and, and I say he'll probably end up staying there unfortunately going into the All-Ireland quarterfinal Yeah I think the mark of how hungry he was for work was when Conor Callaghan kicked the late point and I saw Bernard kind of throw his hands in the air like Cristiano Ronaldo and Gareth Bale doesn't team up for a tap in Yeah well it was a couple of opportunities in fairness in the last maybe in the last five or ten minutes where, where Dublin could have went for the juggler I think Brian Howard as well went through. They were probably three on two. They could have worked a goal maybe, but I think in fairness to Brian, probably his first championship score, so we let him away with that one. But they're the sort of things that Jim Gavin will probably be looking at this morning. There was some opportunities where they really, really could have killed the game off and, and, and they maybe weren't as weren't as ruthless as Jim would have liked. And you really don't think Bernard will get back into the starting team for the quarterfinal? <laughs> Look, on the performance yesterday, who do you, like, who do you drop after that? I know... Dean went off, but I think he'll have to come back in for um for the sake of the freeze. Just having that impact off the bench, like like if he comes on in in all Ireland quarter final and he kicks another three or four points, isn't it great to have that? And I think that's just looking at 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 how hungry he is. That's what Jim wants, and I think Jim will view that as 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 his tactic has worked to use Bernard off the bench. It's working. Yeah, Frank, I suppose from a Kildare perspective going into this game, we were hoping for a proper contest in the Leinster final like the great Dublin Kildare clashes of the late 90s. On the scoreboard, Dublin were relatively comfortable, but Kildare certainly tested them at times. How would you rate their overall effort? Do you think Dublin did get the tests that people said they needed? 
uh, in many respects it did. Like it, it was kind of all over in sixty seconds for Kildare in one sense. Those two goals around the tenth and eleven minutes. You know, I won't say they killed them. They, it was that close to finishing them off because for around five or ten minutes after that they were teetering on the brink, and I had fears of another twenty-point cakewalk here. But their performance from from midway through the first half to half time was superb. They kicked nine points in fifteen minutes. And uh, there are lots and lots of positives for them. I mean, some of their forwards showed up really well. Kevin Feely gave a midfield exhibition. I mean, he caught, uh, I think, four clean marks, won another three restarts. And, like, you could say he dominated Brian Fenton in that in that central battle, and to do that is is some, some achievement. So it was really a kind of defensive lapses, lack of concentration, not being able to track Dublin's runs in that key period that, that finished them off. And also, I suppose you can say the... Um, Daniel Flynn goal chance. I mean, if he'd got that, I don't think Allaire would have won, but it would have made it interesting for the next 15, 20 minutes. Literally, you could have put it anywhere else. The worst thing to do was to hit it straight at Cluxton. It is. I mean, the save still had to be made and he stood up well to it, but it was a, it was like a glorious goal chance. I'm sure, Alan, if you were there, yeah, you would have fancied ones. yourself to stick it. Yeah, like it was a really crucial stage of the game and I think like Daniel Flynn had a, had a, a like the first time I'd really seen him play, and I thought he was excellent. Obviously, a score out from from the the the, the, the out on the sideline was was superb. But there was so much more to was played than just that. But I think in that that five minute period after half time, he missed the goal chance. I think he dropped one short and might have had a wide as well. So I think in that crucial state, he was their tally man. If he'd have tagged on another one 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 there, maybe it was a real game then going into the last half hour. So I think he'd be disappointed with his first five minutes of the second half. I think he learned a lot, and I think he'll learn overall. Um, like for the two goals, they have plenty of men back. If you watch the videos, there's there's loads of men back there, but they just weren't filling that space. And the first goal, particularly to leave that gap in front of the goal, I think was 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 real suicide. And was it just ball watching, or what did you what did you think of them? Yeah, look, I think those there was a bit of ball watching going on, but I I think you have to experience those sort of things to learn from them. I think probably Kildare haven't been in that situation where the game is a, is the game is so pressurised. Dublin are coming at you with their all, and it's easy it's easy make mistakes and it's easy leave someone go or maybe two guys go to one man like they did for James McCarthy's goals. But I think they learn a lot from that, and if if they can iron out that side of their game, um, I think they're a real force to be reckoned with because they certainly did look strong after that, as Frank as Frank mentioned. I think you've got to factor in that an awful lot of that Kildare team have not played in front of 65,000, 70,000 people before. Uh, I was talking to a former Kildare defender, Andrew McLaughlin, this morning, and he was making that point that, you know, you, you have to earn the experience or, or live the experience of playing in that cauldron. You're a cornerback. You can't hear your, your defensive colleague. And, and I think there was definitely a case of they got sucked into, you know, maybe following their men but not spotting the runs from deep. And, I mean, that really killed them. Like, Kieran Kilkenny's hand pass over the top, you shouldn't open up a defence like yeah, that. they took out six men. I think that just wouldn't happen against a Tyrone or against a Donegal. They just wouldn't leave that space in front. So I think that's the learning curve for Kildare coming out of yesterday is they need to cut out. Like, like there were two soft goals they gave away. I think Dublin finished them well and it was it was nice play. But I think from a Kildare perspective, they were, they were soft goals to give away. Yeah, it's funny that Frank mentions that uh, you know the inexperience of the Kilgare guys not having played in front of sixty thousand people because on the Sunday game last night they were talking about Dublin, some of Dublin's young players like Conor Callahan and Darren Daly, apparently one of the young guns of the team, despite being thirty and having three All Irelands. I think that he might have gotten mixed up with someone else, Rory. Yeah, no, I, I know, but himself, he just lives out the road for me in in, in Finger Ravens there, and he was saying that was that there wasn't a homework done there. But he's thirty, like, and I think he, he's <laughs> he'd be delighted to be called a young yeah, up and coming. But he's about three All Ireland medals. He's just kind of one of these lads that's a great panel member, and he's getting a bit of a run now like so he's definitely not a spring chicken um 
but even regarding the game, like I, I enjoyed it overall. I was a bit annoyed that I was definitely over after twelve minutes. Like no matter what, Claire, even if you had it, Flynn had it got the goal, I still think it was over. But we got a good five minutes though at the start. Yeah, well, they started really well. They got a great score straight away. On uh, what Frank said, I, re I really, really enjoyed uh, Kevin Feely around the middle of the field. Like we've lost that in the game for so long. Like I used to remember going watching the likes of Darrow Shea, Kieran Whelan, and John McDermott. Where just I just loved that aspect of the play, and Kevin Feely brought that back. For people who watch it on the telly, don't understand how how good a balls he was catching. Like Fenton and McCarthy were in full flow in the air as well, and fingertips bringing the ball down. So that that was great to see. Um, if I was Fitzmaurice and Mickey Hart, I wouldn't be absolutely overly worried because the amount of times I thought Claire got through the Dublin defence a little bit too easy for my, like, Keno Sullivan didn't seem to be in the position where he held them up. He broke the, a couple of, I suppose, smaller, smaller Claire players, broke the tackle and got through. So if you're Mickey Hart and the way they broke out against Down yesterday, like, I don't know, did you, do you know I'm coming with this? Like, yeah, I didn't, no, I no thought you were, that, yeah, that there is question marks. Like, Dublin have loads to work on. Kaler got through four, four, four or five times. Young Slattery playing wing forward, like he went on a couple of solo runs, and he's a small, slight guy. And he did, as you said, he broke a few tackles, and he got into really, really dangerous area. He set up the, he set up the goal chance, I think, for um, for 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 Daniel Flynn at the start of the second half. But no, I don't think Jim will be overly happy. Um, but it's saying that I think it was a type of game that 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 Kildare tried to play an offensive brand of football. So Dublin are happy to do that playing offensive game but they will concede scores because because they're not really dropping men back I think it'd be a slightly cager game against a Tyrone maybe a Kerry might go might go man for man but certainly against Tyrone it'd be a slightly slightly cager game than what we saw yesterday yeah I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Sligo manager Niall Carew Niall uh, what did you make of the way Kildare set up yesterday as, as Alan said there it was quite an open offensive game did you think that was the best way for Keane O'Neill to go about it yeah, look, it's uh, hindsight's a great thing, but um, no, I agree with the boys there. I, I think that Kildare had plenty of men back for both goals, and I think two men went to, went to one man for the ball at one stage and was flicked in, but I suppose no more than Dublin. Kildare will learn from that. I, I think um, Dublin will probably deploy Tina Sullivan back at centre-back on his sweep and roll. I think he's better at that. I think he was, he was really put man-on-man -man on Daniel Flynn. And he did an okay job in him, but I think Dublin are served better uh, when he's, I suppose, orchestrating what happens in defence. Um, you know, I think Dublin are tighter, and I can't see people getting through the middle like Kildare did yesterday. But Kildare probably set up okay, but they didn't have that out-and-out -out sweeper that would stop the, the man running through the middle. And I think they did that. You could see Ronan Sweeney getting onto the field fairly quick after that to get lads back to cover that option through the middle. And, I don't think Dublin got through the middle after that. Now, Kildare will be disappointed that Dublin scored a these in the second half. I think they only kicked one wide. Um, now, we know Dublin are very clinical up front. But the other side of that is, was there enough pressure put on the kickers inside uh, when they were shooting? You know, uh, did Kildare have enough men back to put the pressure on? They did cause Dublin problems. Uh, very impressed with Slattery. It's his first year playing inter-county football. Um, he seems to have a bit of vision now with that pass to get to Daniel Flynn. He also got a good point from play. He's going to be a real handful. He was on Jack McCaffrey as well. You know, and Jack wasn't as influential as he normally is driving forward because I think Zachary had the pace to keep with him to track his runs and that. Um, so, because they are certainly learning. Now, they are a bit off Dublin. There's no point saying they're not. They're still a bit off them. But, like, I, I don't think Bernard Brogan has ever played badly against Kildare. I think any time he plays against him, he just can't miss. Um, I, I remember in 2009, I think Alan, you were playing as well. I think Bernard kicked points from the corner flag that day as well. 
Um, and in 2011, um, when Bernard kicked the last three, I think, to, to win that controversial score in that game as well in the semi-final of Leinster. So, Bernard certainly has a great record against Kildare, but if you watched him closely in all the games, he's been very, very sharp in all the games he's come on uh, in the Leinster Championship. And I, I think um, I'd be starting him if I was um, if I was Dublin, but I'm not. Um, I think he's a real handful. He's a big game player. Uh, coming off the bench can be a bit risky against maybe better teams and top teams because you could be playing catch-up then. I think having someone like that inside that is always going to get the big scores and the big day, you know, OK, I know Callaghan did well yesterday, got six in play, but it's his first game. Bernard has done it at the highest stage year in, year out. And for me, I think he has to start the next day, you know. I tell you, sorry, I tell you exactly why I, I personally want to start Bernard is because when it comes to the big games, the semi-finals and the finals, if you do start Bernard and he's not going well and you're bringing in Con, Con hasn't experienced that semi-final, like conundrum, as you say, and like you're guaranteed when Bernard goes in, he knows what it's all about. And plus, the it's reason... It's not Con or Bernard, though. Like, I, they, presumably they both Yeah, but them. I'm just saying why you need a Bernard Brogan on the bench rather than, you know, even if you drop Niall Scully. Niall Scully has never experienced that semi-final, final kind of, you know, intensity. So... If you have, you know, Bernard Brogan there, that's why Dublin are so good because if, like, look, yes, what's his score? Win 115, Claire. Dublin will let you score that because we know we're going to outscore the other end when you have the likes of Bernard coming on. That's why I think the way Dublin burn teams is you were there and you live, you, you, you try to have that intensity for 70 minutes and that's no matter what happens, we know we're not going to let up here. We're going to keep going 65, 66, 67 minutes. We're not going to drop the tempo and that's where you'll win a game and that's where I think you need a Bernard Brogan sharp for them last 20 minutes in a big game rather than bringing on a lad who hasn't done it. Um, like Again, back to yourself, Alan, would you, do you know what I'm saying? You, when you come on and you're, in your last, would say, cameo, and, and you've done the job, you kicked that great score and you won that Ireland. You know, that's what I think Bernard is teed up to do this year rather than starting and being substituted with 50 minutes, if you get me. Yeah, like. yeah, no, and I think that's why that's that that's why he won't start. And like Jim talks about you now whether it's whether it's talk or not, but I think he really believes it's having a or trying to have a better team on the field at the end of the match than he has at the start of the match. And like he he has consistently used his his five subs in all championship matches. And if you look at like the subs he's played over the last number of years, he tries to have guys that have been there, done that, coming onto the for that reason, coming onto the field at the crucial stage of the game. If you look at Dennis Bastic, maybe it was times over the last number of years that he could have started, but he kept him in reserve because he because he knew he could trust him going into a game. Same with myself, I'd obviously been there, I'd I'd seen it all towards the latter stage of my career. So he was I thought it was stages during the year in, in 2015 I could have started but he chose to keep me on the bench because he knew he trusted me going in and I think with Kev McMenamin it's the same he knows what he brings off the bench and I think it's going to be the same with Bernard he knows if a game's going away from Dublin in a semi-final or all-Ireland final where he has these guys he has a Bernard Brogan he has Kev McManum that he can bring off the bench to maybe salvage a game like as good as Con is, as good as Niall Scully is, it would be a big ask of those guys going into an All-Ireland semi-final against Tyrone or a Kerry. Lads, I need you to go in here to save this match for us. I think if you're asking Bernard or Kev McMenamin to do that, I think Jim is more comfortable with that. Yeah, Frank, I'd like to get your opinion on Conor Callan actually, because after last week or yesterday's rather great performance, I think he went from like about two to one to one to fourteen on to win Young Footballer of the Year. Do you think he's now one of the key men for Dublin or is he still finding his way? I think that certainly was, it happened this morning. They gave him the trophy already. I mean, he, he was, in fairness, he was that good yesterday. But like Khan has been talked about for around 18 months at this stage as he is going to be a Dublin star very, very quickly. And in some respects, he's been unlucky because 
under 21 campaigns over the last few years have limited his chance uh, to show it in the National League. Then, of course, he had the great run with the Kula Hurlers. So effectively, people were wondering, you know, will Khan get a chance to start in this Leinster Championship? And in fairness to Jim, he threw him in from the off. He kind of was slow enough to begin with, probably in the early rounds. He didn't have a good game against Carlo, but he was decent the last day and he was just superb yesterday. And he just oozes that kind of confidence in his own ability. He can turn left or right, take them off either foot. And he was given the added responsibility yesterday of taking the freeze, which another player might have buckled under. You know, if he'd missed the first one, you know, how will I do an open play? I mean, he had 13 shots yesterday. He had 12 points. It was just superb. Connor's got just it. On, just, just on Conor Callaghan there, like, I mean, it's, he probably got them scores yesterday because the freeze, they were, they were easy enough freeze. Any free taker would love them. I, I just think, getting back to Callaghan, like, he's going to be a marked man now the next day. But Kildare certainly would have been remarked Paddy Andrews and Mannion. I thought he did a good job in that yesterday. So that would have freed up the likes of a Callaghan even more so. But I, I just think, just I disagree with the panel there in terms of when you're playing the top teams, you know, I just think these boys will get smothered and I think they're going to be better coming off the bench uh, when things have opened up a bit more. I just think you can't get away from the Brogan aspect that he's done it all the time. And it's not that he's, you know, he's 33, 34. Bernard was 29, 30 now. So I still think there's two or three more good years left in him. Uh, I, I just think that games could get away from Dublin if you don't start like the Bernard Brogan. Now look, we're all entitled to your opinion, but that's only my opinion on that. I just think that he takes the real man marker to mark and it takes him out of the game as well. And if he's the top then, it would really set Dublin. Dublin don't really want to play catch-up. Uh, Dublin want to be ahead three or four points and then when they bring on their subs, they can nail games like they did yesterday. But I think O'Callaghan now is the mark man and we'll probably see is he the footballer that we all think he's going to be. I think he's going to probably, in the quarter-final, he's going to find it harder to get a lot more space to double up with him. And again, they'll probably put the best man marker on him. So he could struggle the next day. And if he didn't have them easy freeze to take, would he have had the confidence? You know, the jury's out in that. Whereas my thing on Brogan is been there, done that. Uh, I know he'd like to finish with your team, but you want to make sure that you're right in the game. Uh, I know it's Dublin we're talking about and they have the big panel of players, but I still think the jury's out in the other boys because Kildare are only a developing team uh, coming through now and they are going to meet stiffer tasks ahead. Uh, and that's, I suppose, the reason I'd definitely start Barner. I think he's been there, done that. Uh, and it's going to be very hard not to start him because every player wants to start, whether we like it or not. And I know we're all big into ask for the team, ethos and the whole lot. But generally, we all have big egos and we want to start in the big days. And uh, I think Barner's going to put up his hand even more so on training the next two or three weeks. And right. we might not have a choice only to start him. You know? Niall, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. I, I actually would start Barner the next day. And I'd start Khan. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if there's a player to be potentially under, like Paddy, Paddy Andrews could be under pressure after yesterday. He was he was okay, yeah. but he wasn't brilliant. But, you know, uh, and it, I think it's equally conceivable that Khan, Khan O'Callaghan won't get that space the next day. Whatever about the next day, if it comes to an All-Ireland semi-final against Tyrone, that is a whole different kettle of fish. We saw yesterday how good the Tyrone defenders and their defensive system is at smothering space without necessarily coughing up freeze. Like, time and again, down forwards, found themselves three on one, ball on the ground, they gave a free out or they were over, turned over. And and that is going to be the challenge for this Dublin team. And Alan, I think crucially with Tyrone, the, the defensive kind of uh, system has been really strong the last couple of years, but they've added a really devastating attack now. They've given trimmings to Derry, Down and Donegal. 
that little chip by Ronan O'Neill at the end was absolutely exquisite. So they seem to really struck a balance this year that's working for them. Yeah, I suppose we've been talking about, or I've been talking about Tyrone for a couple of years, thinking they're the team, they look like the team to have have the players to really trouble Dublin. But I think last year and maybe the year before, they were they were very defensive and they didn't have that 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 fluid attacking element to their game that they seem to have now. So I think I think in fairness to Mickey Hart, he's added that maybe it was a bit of work in progress. He was getting the defensive structure right for a couple of years, maybe similar to what Pat Gilroy did with Dublin in his, his first couple of years. But they've certainly added... The attacking element now, and I think they look to have they look to have all the tools to uh, to really compete with Dublin. And that's the one game now that I'd be really looking forward to. And when I think about Khan, he was magnificent yesterday. He's all the skills left and right. Um, but playing against Kildare, with all due respect to Kildare, they, they let you play football. And I think they're they're if they really want to mix it with the big boys, they're gonna. Ha- have to add that little bit of nastiness, particularly some of their cornerbacks and stuff. Like if you take the likes of the likes of Tyrone, if you take even the likes of Dublin, the Carries, if you take Philly McMahon, like Philly McMahon's a tough, tough cornerback. Tyrone have them all over the place, and I think Kildare are going to need to add that to their game. And there's no way Connell get the same amount of space he was afforded yesterday. From your own perspective, in 2002, you know you would have played Kildare in the Leinster final, played really well. Then you played Armagh in a semi final. What was that experience like for you? Because you would have been similar to Con in terms of coming into the side. Yeah, I suppose. And I actually thought about that before the game yesterday. I thought of, I thought of Con. Like, it was funny. When I looked at the Dublin attack on paper yesterday, they'd only won All-Star. Dean Rock was the only man with an All-Star in the six forwards. So, there's nearly a complete change in the guards there. Like, Paul Flynn wasn't there. Dermot Connolly wasn't there. Bernard wasn't there. So, we've all these All-Stars who weren't playing with Dublin. And it's, like, it's a relatively new, new young forward line. Um, so, so uh, yeah, but, like, just... just Coming back to Armagh then uh, in in two thousand two, like again I kicked one two against Kildare in the Leinster final, got plenty of space, played quite well. But then you go in against Armagh and you're marking and the McNulty corner back and Justin McNulty's fullback, so it's a completely different kettle of fish. I got a couple of scores that day, but I was I was snuffed out for large periods of the game because they were they were a tough, well organised defensive unit, and I think that's that's probably what Kildare didn't have yesterday, and it afforded Con that space to kick yeah, the Rory, scores he did. We were talking about Tyrone there a second ago, and I know you were. T- tweeting about an incident when Dow missed the goal chance, a key moment of the match, and Niall Morgan's reaction. Kind of, he was standing over Darrow Hanlon, shouting at him. What did you make of that? Was yeah, it? I just, I don't like. It's not good to look. Like I know the hole. There's a bit of like when your your marker a free goes wide, a bit of a chair now. But it's just the nature of it. Like you know, you, he should have been more concerned about putting the ball in tee, getting a quick restart. Like it, it wasn't as if like I'm marking you and it's up to your face. It was pure deliberate. The chap was on the ground. No, no. Downfield, he's known for himself, but it was just it didn't look great at all. He completely ran around, started abusing me. You know what he said? Oh, blah blah blah. The usual standard sledging. But I just don't think it's 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 part of our game. Ga has always been honesty. No, none of this crap. It's coming a lot into it. It happens a lot in them tight, dogged uh, neighbour northern matches. Seems to be a lot of going on. Like I mean, Rice McManaman was probably the king of it back in the day. Now Philly McMahon's no angel, as you, as you know that yourself, when it comes to stuff like that. And that's probably what, I suppose, cornerbacks do now to get the edge. Um, but even with yourself, Alan, like sledging, like, melting is what it was always called over yeah, the years. Yeah, the other thing like, I thought you know, about that, and I saw your tweet, and I, 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 I watched the game. I didn't see it during the game, but I saw it on the Sunday game last night. And the thing about, about Niall Morgan is, like, he's... He's talked about Stephen Cluxon in the last couple of years, about Stephen Cluxon is the guy he aspires to be. And, and in fairness to Niall Morgan, he's a very good goalkeeper. He's a very good place kicker. He's very strong in his kick out. But that, that sort of, that sort of behaviour is not 
not what you see from, from Stephen Cluxon. And there's a reason for that, and that Stephen wants to be emotionless all the time because he knows his job is so important with the kick-out, same as Niall Morgan is for Toronto. When you're getting involved in that sort of stuff, it's distracting your mind from what you should be doing. That's like He wants to get his kick-out out in whatever four or five seconds. It took him a couple of seconds to do that. So he's affecting what his, what his team are what his team are trying to do from a kick-out. So I was, I was surprised at it at this stage to see him to see him engaging in that sort of stuff. And sometimes it goes on around the field, but I think for Niall Morgan to be doing it is, but for is a, a, a goal kick, Exactly. Like it happens in games, like, you know, around the middle of the field, a bit of mountain, but, but like his job, a goalkeeper have so much time themselves in there with, with their mind. They, they can't afford to be doing stuff like that. Not, now, you know Tyrone had it easy enough in the end, yes, but a prime example of why Cluxton is Cluxton. I had a great fury yesterday. I was sitting in the middle of the queue of the one on one with Flynn. Cluckle made the save. He could have easily like said something to Flynn, oh, it's not your day. And, and the only thing Cluck's done was roared at Jack McCaffrey until he heard him. I mean, everyone else is to he's missing him a look at Cluck's and he roared until Jack turned around and he says, Don't ever let the ha- I don't know, I don't know what he said, but it was basically don't get caught napping again, get your head in the game. And that's why Cluckson is Cluckson. Yeah. Like he's no interest in this fanning around crap of he could easily went up to Flynn a young lad saying sorry pal not your day and all these are bottlers you haven't got to beat the dubs and he was more concerned about why he was allowed in through and that's why Cluxton is the best in the game you know yeah Niall and in your experience on the Intercounty sideline like what do you make of the sledging that goes on on the field yeah look I, in fairness to Cluxton he's a match of it now but his first two or three years Adam you remember this that he was a loose cannon as yeah, well sure. and I think he learned from that you know uh, and he is the best people in the country now for probably the last seven or eight years. But, you know, Morgan will probably have to uh, keep taking leaves from his book and keep learning. So, uh, look, it's not nice. The sledging, it looks bad. Uh, you'd nearly prefer someone to give you a box in the back of the head than someone just to sit for injury or, you know. Um, yeah, look, it's not good for the game. I, I agree on Alan's point about Kildare, just getting back to the physicality. I know when we played Mayo this year, uh, with the biggest thing that we did was set up at the back and you have to meet them physically then in the way. And I think Kildare didn't get enough big hits in. Um, and, and that's why I think the younger lads in Dublin will struggle as the game goes on in these tight situations. When there's someone half down your ear and, you know, standing on your toe and maybe getting the cogs down your shin and things like that. And I think the bigger hits will come in uh, down the line. I think Kildare will have to set up better for that, line lads up. And make sure he get you know good hits in. You know a bit like Johnny Burton got one in yesterday. Probably shouldn't have been free. Uh, and I know Dublin got one in as well um, early on as well. A super tackle and Daniel Flynn. And I think Kildare have to do that more often as well if they want to compete. Uh, but you have to be set up well for that. Uh, you know, and, and that comes with experience in the big games. But the sledging for me is a no no. And I, I think the only way to get rid of the sledging is just that. Send somebody off once straight away in a big game that's gone forever. Uh, straight red and off you go. And, you know, because it's not good for the game. And I, I prefer it's more physical than that track. So Is it a black card defence? In the Monaghan yeah. game, uh, yeah. there was a black card given out for, for right. remonstrating aggressively. Remonstrating with yeah. an official is, is a black card defence. Mm. Well, I'd no. rather see a black card for that and get him off the field rather than the likes of uh, Dean yesterday trying to kind of half fumble, getting off the ground and clips a ankle and then he's off the field. Like So I think, like, you know, sledging is, I think, I know... Abusive to a, a, a player in your own team or abusive to an opposition player is a black card. And is there any more definition of abusive to an opposition player than what Niall done yesterday? Straight so in front of the umpires. It was wrong. Conceivably alert of the referee. Um, Niall, just while you're on the phone, now, I just want to ask you. I was at the, your your own game there in Navan, Mead and Sligo. Um, 
And out straight, like, were you, were you was afraid to beat me that day? Because I, lo- I looked at it as, as, as a football purist and it was absolutely terrible to watch from Mead and Sligo. And I'm a, I'm a Mead man. Like, both teams were afraid to go at it. Um, in my opinion, there's not too much between Sligo and Mead if you went toe-to-toe. Were you nearly yeah. afraid to win the game, if you get me? Or was it more just, you know, let's go down here and try not get bet well in Avon? No, I don't know what gave me rap because with 12 minutes to go, we were a point up and um, we had five opportunities straight after that and we missed the five of them. So I, I can't see where you're coming from there. You see, what happens with, with people is that you get carried away in terms of the purest, you know. I mean, Mead had conceded, where Mead had scored uh, an average of 24 points in Division 2 and in the cha- you know, against Loud. And they were a bit unlucky against Kildare apart from four or five last-ditch tackles from Owen Dial that they probably could have stuck in for goals like Dublin did yesterday. But you certainly have to cut your cloth. And in management, what you do is you cut your cloth and the biggest thing is you set your team up to create as many chances uh, against the opposition to make sure you create them opportunities to win the game. We created more opportunities than, than Mead that day to win the game. We just weren't clinical enough. And Mead hadn't one goal opportunity against us uh, that day, if you think back to it, Rory. So, like, I don't think we were afraid. We certainly cut our cloth. Uh, we created enough opportunities to win the game, but we didn't win it. Uh, in terms of, it's amazing the way lads just get on the hobby horse about being diabolical to watch. The tackling in that game was superb by both sides. And I think if we go away to the purest thing, you're going to forget about lads getting great blocks in. Last day, Shattage yeah, there was plenty of turnovers in it. But there's always plenty of turnovers in games when you're playing very defensive and that you want to hit people on the counter. But to answer your question, no, we certainly weren't afraid to win. Uh, I, no, that, that's, I, I just want to get your own opinion just for my yeah, opinion, know, opinion look, you know that's fair enough yeah no the other side of it too is we have to remember where we're coming from like I suppose we shifted a big defeat against uh, Mayo in twenty in 2015 in the Connacht final uh, we went toe to toe with them which was a massive mistake and I thought we learned quite a bit in fact I would say our performance this year against Mayo was you know it was probably right up there with Carlo against Monaghan I would rate Mayo a good bit ahead of Monaghan uh, you know, we were three points down with four minutes to go against Mayo, if you watch it back. And we had uh, two half-goal chances that we didn't take. I thought we set up very well, but we just weren't clinical enough up front. The biggest thing for teams like Sligo is that you have to keep playing teams at this level. And in the championship, forget about the league, because the league is a secondary competition, whether we like it or not. If you get enough games uh, at this level, in this competition, you'll improve week in, week out. If you don't, then you're in big trouble. I thought we improved very well against... Uh, I thought we played very well against Mayo. We did a tricky game against New York. We did well against Mayo then. Um, I thought we set up well. We had opportunities to win if we didn't take them. I can use the excuse about a couple of injuries, but uh, that was it. I didn't have my, my best players available. Going against me then, very conscious there was going to be a backlash. The set up completely different against ourselves than they did against me uh, or did against Kildare. So... They played with two sweepers and they played it very well. And then against Donegal and Fairnestown, made were a point up uh, going into injury time. And they played the very same way as did against us. The three goal opportunities against Donegal, he only scored one. They never got one goal opportunity against us. But unfortunately for us, Rory, we just weren't clinical enough up front. Uh, you know, Pat Hughes, as I said earlier, had four chances. Normally Pat would nail them. Niall Murphy had an easy chance. He missed that. You know, the top teams will always get that. And I just think it's down to playing at that level. And if you're playing at that week in, week out, you'll nail them opportunities because it becomes second nature to you. And look, I would have been very happy the way our boys performed this year. 
uh, I thought we competed very well in all four championship games. And when you compete in every championship game, it means then that you have a chance to win it. If you're not competing, well, then you're in big trouble because you have nothing to build on. Because players then will find it very hard. A bit like Westmead to compete against Dublin. You know, I thought because they were competing at stages yesterday against Dublin. But you have to stay in the game for as long as you can. And that's why the big teams do that and they do it very well. So, I suppose, Rory, I think I answered your question there. <laughs> no, you, you, you definitely <laughs> in, answered, in, in answered fairness, actually, management is it's all about learning. I mean, like, Niall, you learned from that kind of final two years ago where, where Mayo just absolutely blitzed you in the first 15 minutes. But, like, no more than that, Jim Gavin learned from what happened against Donegal in 2014. And, like, clearly he changed his entire setup. He modified the what you call the gung-ho swashbuckling approach. He, he turned Keno Sullivan into uh, into the sweeper that was holding that defensive system together. And we've seen the results. I mean, Dublin maybe haven't been, generally haven't been scoring quite as heavily in the championship since then, but they're much harder to break down. And it's probably no coincidence that the couple of goal chances that came out yesterday were there because Dublin were A, missing a couple of key defenders and B, because of that, they felt they had to put Keno Sullivan in a man-marking brief on Daniel Flynn between yeah, full black and centre-back. Like, if Johnny Cooper was there, if uh, Philly McMahon was 100%, like, he, there was signs of rustiness yeah. there because that was his first game in a long time for Dublin. Um, do you know, if, if the key bodies were in place there, I don't think uh, Kildare might have opened them up quite so readily. Yeah, and do you think yeah, that I, was I more... Yeah, yeah no, I think Kildare will, uh, like... The, 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 like they certainly open them up and to kick 117 um, whatever it was in around that gym certainly won't be happy with that like that's not a score that you want to be conceiving going into an All-Ireland series and, and, and like the, there definitely is areas that that the Tyrones and the Kerrys will see where they could exploit but in saying that I don't think we'll see Dublin as loose again Um I thought it looked a bit. Thought, I thought it looked a bit open all over the field. I thought half forwards were getting space a little bit easier. Half backs weren't tight with them. Um, ball was going in. I thought Kildare were probably sharp enough in the full back line. They were. They were tight once or twice. Michael uh, Grady was out and he was right on top of Paddy Andrews. Um, so uh, 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 I thought the Kildare full back line was probably sharper at times than than yeah, than, right, than I, I think O'Grady. I, I think O'Grady and um, Highland did a, a superman man job. You know. Um, you know, because let's be honest about it. In, in fairness to, to Dublin, like Mannion and Andrews, Andrews, as far as I can see, just looking at him, he always has a great 20 25 minutes. And maybe that's why Dublin will probably start him again. Like he can ream off four or five times in a row. Uh, he's that sort of a player. Now, the other side is he probably goes missing them too much. And so that's why he was taken off eventually. Uh, Mannion was probably disappointing yesterday, but you have to handle it to their full back, full back line. I think they got that right. Owen Doyle played yesterday with a broken thumb. There's rumours that he's going for an operation on that thumb today because it could be dislodged. So he's going to be a massive loss the next day. Uh, now, not privy to everything Kildare as they used to, but uh, obviously Kevin Feely then at midfield was outstanding. But Kildare certainly, they're on the up, but they can't get carried away uh, from that either because it's a very dangerous thing to do to get carried away uh, because I still think Dublin... I think the Flins and Connollys and all these boys will definitely come back into this when it comes to semi-final final. But like I think, just coming back to the to 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 to, to the whole defensive football thing, like like yeah. Dublin do get men behind the ball, but I think it's how they and Kerry get men behind the ball, but it's how they transition it up to yeah, the forwards that, again yeah, it's yeah, a real difference yeah. I think if you look at Donegal in 2011 when they played Dublin they kept all the men back and the game finished 8-6 yeah they snuffed us out 
they snuffed us out in attack, but they didn't. They didn't transition into attack at all, and that changed. Jimmy McGuinness added that into their game in 2012, and it, it it completely transformed that team. Like any team can put 13 or 14 men men behind the ball. I could go out and get 13 or 14 footballers from anywhere tomorrow, and you do make a pretty good stab at stopping most teams. But if you can't transition into attack, um, then you have a real problem. And in fairness to Jim, since I've been in with him, he's 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 preached about the simple the simple basics of the game, your kick pass, your hand pass, and Dublin practiced that week in, week out. Simple simple kick pass drills, as Rory spoke about yesterday, that drill they do to warm up, and, 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 and it's the players that really drive that now. Like Guys won't accept the ball spilling to the right or the left. They won't accept a bad pass without let, letting somebody know. And I think the other thing about the Dublin carries is that they'll maintain a certain amount of structure in a half-forward line and a full-forward line. So even if 12 or 13 guys go back, they'll still get two guys out into a half-forward line and they'll they'll stay with one full-forward so that they have somewhere to kick the ball. Whereas when I see a lot of a lot of other teams, club teams and other maybe lesser county teams, they lose the shape in the half-forward line. So they win it back in the in the half-back line or their own full-back line, but they have nowhere to kick it to, so they have to run it, try run it out through this mass of bodies, and, and it's just impossible to get out, and that's why you see so many turnovers that you, that, that you speak about there, say in the Sligo Me yeah. game, maybe you won it back in the full-back line, then you had to try run it through Mead, and there was just too many bodies there to run it through, so it's that, it's that being able to transition really quickly with a kick pass out of your, your full-back line or out of your half-back line when you win it back. Well, thanks for that, guys. And speaking of defensive football, I caught up a little earlier with Joe Brody to discuss the Ulster final. So, Joe, obviously, you know, working with Colin Cooper on the Sunday game for the first time yesterday, I was hoping you were going to bring up, you know, how he wasn't much of a warrior, he didn't have that mentality, but unfortunately, uh, <laughs> it, it, it didn't come up. Why would you do that? I mean... Well, you were writing so much about balanced, it. It was a very balanced, reasoned analysis, but, you know, you're not going to, like... It was, his, it was his debut on a big, live cast like that. And, um, you know, that, that's a different thing, you know, when you're sort of critically analysing someone's career and you're sort of, as I did, you know, the, the best goal finisher I've ever seen. I've written that. I said it on the podcast, but I've written it in the Sunday Independent and how we try to encourage the boys at underage level to finish like that, to open your body out, to pause for a second, you know, to pass the ball into the net using the instep not kick across the keeper, all those things, you know. And uh, You're going to have to add the Ronan yeah, O'Neill in there as well. Well, I mean, the first time I saw that kid up at St. Paul's, I'll tell you a funny story about it, actually. The St. Paul's Minor Tournament, you know, which is the Ulster Club Tournament, and um, he uh, was just sensational. You know, he got a ball at one stage out in the sideline against Dungiven. My brother was managing Dungiven. They were very, very good Dungiven. Very aggressive, ferocious, like, and very well organised, and um, <laughs> they, they shepherded O'Neill out the sideline. The first ball he got was he'd been running around the whole tournament, and he got it out the sideline. And he he, uh, he was on the left wing, and he went to kick with his left foot, and he dummied dummied the ball back to himself, and then kicked it over his shoulder with his right foot straight over the black spot. <laughs> oh. My brother Brad just looked over at me and started laughing. And I mean, he completely ran riot that day, and we we realised. I mean, I thought this guy's going to be a superstar. This is like a young Canavan in the making. But the way the Tyrone have played over the last three or four years hasn't been conducive for him. They've put him into the full forward line. But then the ball has never come. Now that they're pushing forward and flooding forward in numbers, I think it's time to select him. Because you saw the big difference yesterday when he came on. Tyrone were simply unable to score goals, and they have been unable to score goals now for three or four years. 
And um, as soon as he came on, two goals. Then he was obviously down where Spread Eagle at that stage, but the kid has fantastic skills, fantastic touch. And the other thing about all the greatest sort of finishers, they love it. They enjoy it. Did you love it? Ah, well, I mean, come on, like I wasn't in that bracket of... I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the whole science of it, but I mean, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been in Colin Gribber's bracket of finishing. I mean, his finishing is what he what he could do. It's probably more than habit, but habit was a huge part of it. Was be absolutely calm when it came to finishing, and he could also very quickly calibrate where the defenders were, where the keeper was. I, mean, I, I worked a lot in that during my career, you know, looking up and making sure I could see the keeper's feet, making sure that there's. It's all well and good until you're in that situation where everything's happening very, very quickly. You know, so if you look at, for example, what Jamie Clark did, it's very, very unusual level of skill. Now, they they wrongly said on the live cast, the commentary team wrongly said that he that he'd lost control of the ball. He didn't lose control of the ball. He went to go left. He thought he assumed that the keeper would go down, but the keeper didn't go down, and so. He went again on the left and then he had to pull it back into himself. And you'll notice that he actually took two touches then. When he dropped it on the ground, he brought it back slightly with his left instep. Pushed it forward slightly with his right and then tapped it into the net. I that's, it's, the it's, highest, that's the highest level. That's Colin Cooper, Jamie Clark. You're not, you know, there are very, very few people who can do that. Peter Canavan, that's the sort of level you're at there. I suppose for a sport where I, people I say there's, there's no level. skill anymore, but, though, like for a sport that people say there's not much skill involved anymore, like that was some weekend. Right. I mean, that's a, no, no. I mean, I think that I think that what a lot of people say is that you know the primacy of athleticism has has meant that skill is no longer as important. You know, so that for example, if you've got a footballer like Colin Cooper, who is 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 well, I tell you a great example. Morris Fitzgerald, whenever he was on the cusp of that new era of heavy training, and Paddy O'Shea wouldn't select him because you know he wasn't doing the weight training, he wasn't pushing himself the same way as the others were pushing. He wasn't sort of, and you know, there was a huge controversy in Kerry about that, and that I think was the cusp of the new era where you see now that you know the laws of physics have defeated players like Colin Cooper. So that you've got Colin Cooper, you say, well, okay, well, you're playing Toronto, well, Toronto just double team him. You know, they drop two men onto him. So you saw Connor Harrison made hay against Monaghan yesterday. Toronto just put him out of business. It's, it's just the cold logic of physics. It doesn't matter how good you are, really. Unless you've got really extraordinary capabilities, you know, Michael Murphy on the edge of the square, if Donegal could afford him there. That sort of guy, you know, a guy who can catch a ball when his feet are at your head level. And who's got unbelievable power. But it's very, very difficult nowadays, and the, the day of the free scoring corner forward is over. Uh, just to get back to the weekend now, um, that Tyrone performance was mildly impressive. Dublin also won their provincial final. They're kind of, as you said on the Sunday game yesterday, they're on a collision course. Like, have Tyrone kind of cracked this way of playing now with their you know great defensive setup, but also they're, they've kind of blended it with a very, very, very potent attack? Well, I wouldn't say a very, very potent attack. They certainly do not have a very, very potent attack. And if you replace the Dublin, the, the Tyrone forwards with the Dublin forwards, well, then you would have a very, very, very potent but attack. But they, they put up three you huge know. scores in their Ulster Championship wins. Ah, come on against Derry. Like, come on. Oh, Donegal. And um, Donegal, I thought Donegal just collapsed early on. They did. They played well. There's no doubt about that. The thing about Toronto was that the balance is in favour of the defensive structure. And that's not, that, that is not necessarily a negative. Because 
their defensive structure is so effective. I mean, and they tackle so calmly and they're so used to it now. It's become so methodical, you know, that that is their strength. And therefore, the basis of their game plan is that defensive structure. So that's why, for example, they've been able to glue up the dubs or glue up anybody that they've played against and make it very, very, very difficult for them to score and often very, very demoralizing. And so what they've got to do, I think, is just tweak it so that they are slightly more attacked. Have they not done that now? I think, well, they're, they're still not ruthless enough. I mean, they had so many chances to went to begging. There was so much kicking the ball up into the air yesterday. So much slackness that you don't see with Kerry or Dublin. So when you see Kerry or Dublin with a hapless opponent, they'll just crush them absolutely ruthlessly. Against Down yesterday, Dublin would have scored about seven goals. Mm. You see the point that I'm making? I mean, you yeah. watch that Down team were shattered five minutes into the second half. And at that stage... Dublin would have been goal, 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 goal. You know, the way Kerry did to Kildare a few years ago, seven goals. The way Dublin do regularly, five goals, four goals, six goals. Um, and that's that's the area that Tyrone need to work on. I mean, I, I thought again yesterday, and we've had this conversation two or three times this year, Sean Cavanagh is not working at full forward. It just doesn't work. I thought he was very, very poor yesterday, very selfish, uh, you know, Another opportunity, like the Dying All match, to lay a ball across the square to a man who was standing waiting to palm it into the empty net. And again, he took the option of going for his own score. Um, you know, I just don't think it's working in there. Whatever other position you put him, I don't think it's working in there. And it was only whenever sort of Ronan O'Neill came in that that whole area suddenly became alive. You know, it just became alive because of his positional sense, because of his willingness to play the team game because of his eye for scores. Anyway, I mean, they are very, very, very formidable. And defensively, I'll tell you another thing that I noticed yesterday watching the dubs. Very open at the back. Surprisingly open at the back. Yeah, because they were running at them like, with great success. Yeah, almost like 2014. The thing, the thing that, and, and, and that was a worry, you know, chatting to Pat Gilroy afterwards, and both of us in agreement that Dublin looked very, very open. And had Kildare in the first 10 minutes, as I had advocated, played a sweeper on the square, just to steady themselves, just to build their confidence, just until they realised, look, we can compete at this level. We can compete compete against these guys because they've had someone merciful hiding in the past. And it was a good way to build confidence. Had they done that, you might have seen a different game because Dublin did. I mean, they were very, very open. And if Sligo had just been more alert to the opportunities that were presenting themselves and playing at that high level. You know, they could really have punished them. That's what Tyrone need to look at, I think, with Dublin's performance yesterday. Strangely enough, although there was a lot of eulogies around it last night in the Sunday game and all, and we're all very complimentary of the way Dublin play and the ruthless dispatch of opponents, Tyrone will see in that, in those gaps, real encouragement. I mean, I think that a big problem for the Dubs, and I think that a team who were able to take advantage of it. I mean, McGuinness has done all took advantage of it in 2014. They created mismatches around the full-back area and then kicked the ball in high to Murphy. And they made hay from that at times. Or in the same way as Eamon Fitzmaurice in the 2014 final against Donegal, took, advantages, took advantage of, of Donegal's full-back line by rotating them and then creating a mismatch with Guinea on Paddy McGrath. I mean, I thought that if Kildare had done that more yesterday, they could have caused serious problems. I mean, one high ball kicked in, one goal. Mm. Um, well, so, I mean, I think that there, there are real there are areas there where Dublin can be exploited. 
I guess in their the, defence. The, the next defense. team. So if you think of it, if you think of it, if the, you think of it, Tyrone are happy to invite you, and they're happy for the whole Dublin group to surge forward. You know, they're they're they are set up to cope with that. You know, and now with Tyrone themselves becoming more confident with surging forward, now they're not there yet. You could see the clear difference between Tyrone yesterday and Dublin yesterday. Whereas Dublin are happy to boom, they go for it, and they are ruthless. Tyrone are still. You know, it's too slack. It's too slack. Joe, it's before not, it's not, it's not ruthless enough. Joe, before they actually play Toronto, they would possibly have a quarter final coming up against Monaghan, who, for me, have been the disappointments of the championship. I remember Jack McCarron in the league know, fixture it, against Dublin. It, 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 it won't be a game. But what it do you think has gone wrong with Monaghan? Because when they played in the league, Jack McCarron shredded Dublin for I think he scored uh, almost ten or eleven points. But he's been and anonymous, the, the, and Monaghan have been very poor. The operative word there is the league. I was in Boston with Dean Rock and James McCarthy for a big GA function. Uh, I can't exactly remember when it was. Maybe it was about February this year, sort of around about that time. And what I was hearing was that they weren't training at all, that all they were doing was the group until April were going to be cycling and swimming. So they'd be cycling and swimming and keep themselves in shape, but there was going to be no training until April. The idea being to that last year they felt that they had peaked too early. We had peaked too soon. And so I wouldn't pay any particular heat to the Monaghan game. But from a Monaghan perspective, though, they had a lot of good wins in the league, though. So why do you think they haven't been able to, you know, translate that into the championship? Because they came in with high hopes. Yeah, well, let me just go back to one point, first of all. The most important thing you have to remember about the Monaghan game is that when Monaghan were seven points up and there's only ten minutes left, the Dubs absolutely shredded them. They destroyed them. Mm. As soon as Dublin upped their game and went for them, I mean, it was whew, it was a massacre, and uh, I I cannot see. I mean, I appreciate that Monaghan have been competing to the best of their ability over the last four or five years. And earlier on in the year, we did think you know they're not far away, but they were flattened, really flattened, demoralised by what happened against Down. And since then, everything that has happened will only increase their insecurities. I appreciate the beat Charlo yesterday, but it was such a struggle to beat Charlo. He finished third in Division 4. And um, you would really fear for them there against the Dubs, if that's who they get. Um, and then one of the other qualifiers, Armagh, will take on Kildare. I was a bit like you at the start of the championship. I thought Armagh, actually, with, the, with that forward line, could actually do some damage. They had a poor start, but they've kind of slowly yeah, been building. Right, look, the thing about them is this. They they have to McGinney's great credit. They have gone. They've decided they're going to play football. They're going to kick the ball, and they they do it very well. They kick the ball very well. They're they're keen. They're full of passion. I think there are two really important factors about that Armagh team that could, you know, that could that could alter everything. I think that Stephen Campbell needs to go to the full forward line. He's too far out the field, and in there, in there, that would that would be a really really formidable forward line now. You put in Stephen Campbell, you create the sort of mismatches that Dublin were creating inside yesterday, the Bernard Brogan mismatch. Kildare are limited in their full back line. So you put Stephen Campbell in there, you've got Mernon, both brilliant wall winners. I would have Jamie Clark in front of him playing off them all the time, getting into those goal scoring positions. The other big issue, the two big issues for Armagh are they need to calm down. They're too frantic. You can see it in the way they're playing. You know, they're not seeing half the opportunities that they're creating because they're doing everything at 100 miles an hour. 
And another consequence of that is that they're fouling, ridiculous rash fouling. I mean, they kept Tipperary in that game yesterday. Mm. That's how down beat them. They kept fouling down when there was no need to. There's a sort of a machismo about the Armagh team. You know, McGinney needs to calm them down. I mean, you compare and contrast Tyrone's very controlled tackling in groups with Armagh's tackling. And, uh, I mean, if Armagh can get that right, because they're not far away, they have two giant midfielders who are very, very quick, very good in the air, good kickers of the ball. I mean, they have issues in their full back line, obviously, but they have got plenty of protection there, and they have loads of men back. So I just think, generally, they need to have more composure, more calmness, and they need to work on that. It's a great game, Kildare and Armagh, I think. Yeah, I suppose from a down perspective, do you think they can bounce back from such a heavy defeat? Like, they're, they're playing Monaghan, but obviously I don't think you, you think Monaghan are a great side, but down, surely it'll be too tough to take to, to bounce back from that. I think it'll be very, very demoralised by that because it was a public humiliation. And, you know, whenever you get a public humiliation like that, it's your own morale, just your own, like, you feel so ashamed, you know, you don't want to come out of the house. I mean, whenever I was there for Derry, like, Whenever we lost a big game, well, we never lost a game heavily ever. That very team, you know. But if we'd lost a big game, it just, just takes everything out of you. You just, you know. I suppose, uh, I suppose the, the difference would have been, like, for example, I'm just trying to think back. Whenever we played down and we lost with a last minute goal in the 94 first round, and they went on to another. If we'd had a qualifier then, I'm sure we would have actually gone out with vengeance in our heart and murdered opposition. But we were in a different position. We'd won an All-Ireland. Mm. You know, and we were a team that knew its worth. So it was a bit like Kerry going into the qualifiers that time when they just staved through them and then won the All-Ireland. Mm. You know, um, with a team like Down, who, aren't, who are already not sure of themselves and who are up and down, it was a big blow to be so badly humiliated. You know, and they'll get absolutely no comfort in Down like, yeah. You know, there's no down, down. Down people are not interested in losers. I don't think many counties are, to be fair. Well, well, you'd be surprised. I was telling Colin Gribby yesterday, you know, that, that like when they all lose in All Ireland, they go back to McKeel Park and there's thirty, forty thousand people there cheering them, you know. And he was just, he just couldn't believe it. He, well, he, we, we, we don't need another celebrity losers uh, discussion, do we? No, no, no. But he, he said to me, like, geez, we'd be, like, if that happened in Gary, he says, you'd be sneaking off the train. He says, boys, would be sent in the street. Explain yourself, like, how did this happen? <laughs> so, so anyway, down, down would be a bit like that, you know. So uh, I would say that it's going to be far too difficult for them to recover psychologically. Thanks for that, Joe. And also thanks to Alan, Rory and Frank for joining me this week on The Throw-In. If you want to subscribe, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud or independent.ie. We'll be back next Monday to discuss the All-Ireland Hurling Quarterfinals and the All-Ireland Football Qualifiers. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.